First begotten into the world, he said, Let all the angels worship you. They sang your praise. We sing your praise. We worship your name. Lord, our prayer this morning is that let every knee bow, let every tongue confess that you are God and that you are Lord. The knees in our heart, every posture within our soul that needs to bow and reverence you. Help us, Lord. Give us the blessing of brokenness this morning. Help our heart to fall into that place, that blessed place where we tremble before you, your face. Thank you. We ask this morning, don't hide your face from us. Don't hide your voice. Don't hide your word. Don't hide your spirit. Come, come and fellowship with us. Allow your words to flow from your heart to us without hindrance, without limitation. For mercy, to find mercy, mercy for this moment, and every heart will obtain mercy this morning. Thank you, our Father. Lord, come and help me use my heart, take it, break it again afresh, and remold it and shape it into the, 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 the form which you want to use to bring forth your word this morning. Help my tongue, make it weighty, make it as a tongue of the learned. Schooled by the Spirit, and who will be able to bring forth exact your exact thoughts this morning? Thank you, our Father, Holy Spirit. We're depending on you to open the book, to divide the truth rightly for us. Thank you, our Father. We bless your holy name. We give you praise in Jesus' name. We pray. Amen. Praise God. Just say good morning to someone. Um, give them a smile. Say, I'm happy to see you. Say, I love how you look this morning. You look, you look radiant. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Um, I trust we're all doing okay. Praise God. Um, let, us, let us open our Bibles. Thank you, Father. I shall tell the nations, for I call not, and the voice 
Centelia Cantevelate Lee Totio Lecate Recatalia. Oh, I have overcome death. I have overcome death. I have overcome death because I spilled my blood. I have come to give you my blood. I have come to give you my blood. It will raise you. It will raise you and make you come one with me. For I am one with my Father because all that my Father had is in me and I am in Him. I have come to give you access, to give you access. I have opened the door. I have opened the door. I have opened the door. I have come to give life, to give life. For this is my business. This is what I mind. I mind life. And I have come that you would have life and have it abundantly and have it yet more abundantly. For this is my business. Life is my business. I bring authority. I bring authority into your lips. I bring authority and I bring the authority of my throne to your lips. I've poured grace and oil upon your lips for to exalt me, for to exalt me, that as I am exalted, I would be raised in the hearts of men, and men would turn to me, men would turn to me, men would turn to me, that as you speak, as you speak, men would think that as you speak, my things, and even I will be exalted above the things that have been exalted in the hearts of men. 
they would see me. I have come that they will see me. That they will see me. I have come to speak today in my authority. And as I speak, kneels will bow. Kneels will bow. Kneels will bow. Wrong side will be blinded. I come with authority that even in the places where you ought to die, that you are finding it hard to die. I come with authority to give you the grace to die. I come with authority for it is the realm of my blood and it is the realm of death. It is the realm of my blood and it is the realm of death. So I come bearing authority. I come bearing power for all power in heaven and on earth is mine. Even that which is to come, it is mine. I come with that authority that you be elevated. That as I am exalted in your heart, you would be elevated. I come to exalt myself in your heart. I come to raise myself up that you would begin to look unto me. You would begin to look unto me. You would begin to look unto me. I have come with that authority to break chains. To break chains that hold you bound. That raise, that puts your head down and makes you not raise your head to look unto me. For it is Sehanta. Look unto me. Look unto me. I have come with oil and unction and authority and utterance in your mouth for to make men look unto me. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Hallelujah. Yes, okay, let's open our Bibles. Thank you so much. Um, Please, let's appreciate uh, my wife for me. Thank you, honey, for um, today was awesome. I enjoyed the worship so much. Um, thank you. Thank you for obeying God and all the obediences that you are doing. <laughs> um, and for keying keen in and siding with the life of the Spirit. Um, thank you so much. I, I love you from the depth of my heart. Praise God. And let's appreciate the entire worship team, everybody, the musicians, the keyboardists, the drummer. Praise God. Thank you so much. Father, we bless your name. We give you praise. Amen. Okay, let's open to Second Peter. Second Peter. Amen. Are we already thinking about School of the Spirit? It's, it's coming closer, right? That, um, amen. I will speak more, a little bit more about it later. Uh, maybe after the message, by God's grace. Let's just go into the word. Um, Second Peter chapter 1, if they are there, say amen. amen. Um, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have like that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord according as his divine power 
hath given unto us all things, thank you, Jesus, that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and to virtue. Praise God. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these ye might be partakers, partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lost. Glory to God. Let's thank you, Jesus. Um, let's go back. Let's, let's just, I want us to just follow the interpretation of the Spirit um, for this verse. Um, he was writing to this book of Second Peter. Peter is writing to, to them. He's, he's actually made it specific. Say, who are those who he's writing to? Um, so a lot of things in this book don't apply directly to Christians or people who have not yet obtained like precious faith. There is something he called like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Praise God. That like, like precious faith, like means almost like common. It's a like. So it means that the faith which he's referring to is a faith that is, you can find, you shared between, or you can find in different people, but it's actually the same faith. So there's a sense that this gives us that this is not just people's faith in Jesus, right? Because people have varying kinds of faith, to be honest with you. The people's faith, as different as people are, that's how you find their faith expression. And the expression of the faith that men have towards God naturally is actually driven by their, their will, the will of the person. Right? So without a person coming into revelation of the will of God, Someone cannot exercise faith that is in alignment with God's will. So you find before the season of revelation, which is the season of the word of righteousness or the meat of the word, that many, we all had faith, but our faith was centered around our concept, our idea of what we need and what we want. So that's why such a faith is different, such a faith expression it's different. You see, different people came around Jesus, for example, and each of them had their varying needs in their varying degrees. And the Lord, by their faith, you know, some needed healing, some needed their dead being raised up. For some, it was just food. Praise Jesus. Um, amen. amen. And they all operated their faith in different ways. You know, so the woman with the issue of blood, that one didn't need talking. She didn't need message, nothing. She didn't even need Jesus to be aware. She just, something just rose up. It's strange faith. Just rose up. It wasn't according to normal behavior of people. She, her own was a particularly strange faith. 
the faith to know that if I touch this man's cloth, something can move and heal me. So you see all varying kind. The other one, the centurion said, just speak the word. You don't need to be there. People are canvassing for you to come. And all, but I, me, I know that there's an operation where you can speak the word and it will work. You understand? So faith, different kinds of expressions of faith. Amen. But there is a dimension which the soul will move into where faith becomes like. That word like actually means the same. He's using like because you find it in this one, in the other one, in the other one, and it just seems the same. It's the, it's, it's the same faith. Praise God. The Bible called that faith is, is very clear. That's talking about the faith of the Son of God, which um, is not faith for anything, but it's faith for just one thing, which is faith to come into access into the life of God. That was the faith which Paul was speaking about in the book of Galatians, chapter 2, verse 20. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, what? I live, yet not I, but what? Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by what? The faith of the Son of God who loved me and who gave him himself for me. So that faith, I live by the faith of the Son of God. He left his own faith and he took another faith, which is faith for living. It's faith. And anybody who has this faith, you will see it's like. If you have it and you see someone who has this faith, you say, ah, it's like my own. Because it has the same substance. It has the same hope. Praise God. It has the same evidence. Is a faith for the same thing, which is the faith for accessing the life of Christ. Praise Jesus. So here, Peter calls that faith like precious faith. And it's not just a like faith, but then they are teaching about those who are beginning to move into the preciousness of that faith. Remember, it was the same Peter who taught in an earlier letter, which was, this is Second Peter, but in the first Peter, chapter one, when he was writing in first Peter, he taught about how that faith can get to preciousness. You know, he introduced the faith in chapter one of first Peter, where he was saying that the trying of your faith, first Peter chapter one, verse seven, says the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto Praise, honor, and what? Glory at the appearing of Jesus. The word there being much more precious. Right? It's a continuous word. It's telling you what the process of the trial of your faith is working out. That the process of the trial of your faith is working out preciousness. Right? Aha. Uh-huh. So. It means that this faith is speaking about is the like faith, but the like faith that has to go through process of trials of that faith. And it's the, the trials of the faith that will bring the faith into a state called preciousness, where you can then refer to that faith as like precious faith. Praise Jesus. So going back to the second um, epistle of Peter, verse 1, it says that, to them who have obtained. So you, you, can, you can see how they obtained it. Can you see how, they, how did they obtain it? It's by submitting fully to 
the complete program of the trial of that faith. And the trial of that faith is also the refining of the faith. That's one word to use. And another word to use is the sanctification of the faith. Praise God. Because what he says that the, the faith being much more precious than gold that perishes. The, what is the property of gold that makes gold precious is how sanctified gold is. Sanctification means how much of the impurity in gold has been removed. That's the reason why gold is tried with fire. Is that it might be found unto praise and then honor and then what? Glory. At what point? At the appearing of Jesus. So, you see what they call praise and honor and glory here is the glory of this faith. This is not by no means the eternal glory of God. Because for anybody to come into the eternal glory of God, they must first come into the appearance of Jesus. It is actually the appearance of Jesus that brings souls or sons, according to Hebrews chapter 2, bringing many sons to glory. So to bring sons to glory, that's the son must appear. The son of God must first appear, but he doesn't appear to everybody. Actually, he appears to people whose faith have been tried and have been found unto what? Praise, honor, and glory. So it's very clear that the glory here is the glory of sanctification. Do you agree with me? Is the glory of what? Is the glory of sanctification. Is the glory that comes at the end of the suffering. If you suffer with him, you'll be glorified with him. Right? Without suffering, there is no what? There is no glory. Praise Jesus. So this trial will arrive at a glory. So the glory of the faith of the Son of God, when it's tried, or this faith here, like precious faith, is that it brings that faith into preciousness. It makes this, the faith precious. So when you say the word precious, precious means without impurity. Without what? Impurity. Precious means without what? Impurity. Precious means without impurities. The difference between gold and let's say what you call precious stones uh, is that precious stones are stones without impurity. Have you ever seen where they melted a diamond before and put it back? <laughs> you can't do that. You don't do that. What they do to diamond is just polish it. It means that what is reducing the shine of a diamond is on the external of it. It's not inside the composition. You don't need to melt it down and remove things from it. In fact, how do you melt a diamond? It's one of the hardest substances on the earth. It's, so you see that when you find a diamond in the earth crust, a diamond is already precious. It's a different kind of thing than, than gold. Praise Jesus. So a precious stone um, is, a, is a, something that is precious by definition. We are going with scriptural definition. A precious thing is a thing that has no impurity. Whose impurity has been what? has been removed. And when impurity is removed, the purpose of actually removal of impurity is to bring forth glory or or shining. Gold will not shine. So it might be found unto praise, honor, and what? Glory at the appearance of Jesus. Praise God. Amen. So 
this writing of Second Peter is writing to those who have obtained like what? Precious faith. So there are things that those people who have obtained, now someone might have obtained preciousness, but they haven't, they haven't fully, they haven't fully come into, they've not fully finished the school of preciousness. Like there is that, that thing of, there is still a message to people who have obtained precious properties. Praise Jesus. Or who are beginning to obtain precious properties. And that is part of the conversation of Peter. So he's saying here that grace and peace be multiplied unto you through what? The, through the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ. According as his divine power had given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him that had what called us to glory and to do and to what to virtue through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and to virtue it's that person who called us has a power called divine power and it says that the power, divine power has given unto us all things that pertain to life so what is the operation of the divine power is to give things. It's actually the divine power is an operation, is a provision of God for, through which things that pertain to life, right? And then two things he mentioned there. Things that pertain to life and then things that pertain to, to godliness. Say life, life and what? And, and godliness. Life and godliness. Praise Jesus. So, to bring a person up, now Galatians 2 was saying, and I said that Galatians 2, 2.20, I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I'm living by the faith of the Son of God who loved me. I'm living by the faith of the Son. And we know the Bible said that the just shall live by faith already in the book of Romans chapter 1 and in other places for the just shall live. So he, he has come into that place of living by what that faith. So if he is living by the faith of the Son of God, it means that that faith has or he has come into the provision of faith which is life. Right, for you to be living by the faith of the Son of God. It means that that faith has yielded life to you. Praise God. So that, it means that he has actually come into, when he said, I live by the faith of the Son of God. He's actually telling you about an empowerment which he has come into. And it's not everybody can say that, that I live by the faith of the Son of God. Why, why are men not able to say that? It's because of a lack of power. Like it takes, it takes power to, to say that kind of thing. To say that you are living by the faith of the Son of God. Or to say Christ liveth in me. Not just in a cliche way like we do religiously. I'm Christ, Christ lives in me. He lives in me. There's a song like that. So <laughs> praise God. 
it's not, so after singing that song, they will now say, okay, what about, what, show me Christ living in you. What is the import and the implication of Christ living in you? Then that's when the stammering begins to occur because the person that's asking knows the fellow who's singing that song and he's trying to compare himself and he knows he's probably better than him in most things. So can you show me how Christ can live in me too? You now discover that it's more than just singing Christ living in you that it takes a power. When you say someone is saying, Christ is living in me in a real sense and meaning that he's showing forth the life of Christ like Apostle Paulus. Nobody, nobody, none of the Galatians can deny that Christ is living in him because he has come before them. Paul is someone who when he's writing to you, he will remind you, remember how I used to live in when I was with you. My manner of life, like he was telling Timothy, if, he was, if there wasn't something in him, he would not make reference to his manner of life. Praise God. So, um, having Christ, getting, after you get born again, you need, there's an empowerment that God, the purpose of you being born again is to receive power. Do you get that? And you know, Jesus promised that. He said, you will receive power after the Holy Ghost. He didn't say the Holy Ghost is the power. He just said, after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. So that after you receive the Holy Ghost, you shall receive power. Acts chapter 1 verse 8, and you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost is come upon you. You shall be witnesses and all of that. Praise God. And we know so power, of course, we know Romans, we know all of this. Romans chapter 1, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ because it is the power of God unto salvation to them that believe, to the Jews first and also to the Greek. So, so it means the power of God, that thing he called the gospel of Christ being the power of God. You see that? The power of God, that's an empowerment for living. So the gospel of Christ is an empowerment to live the, the life of Christ. Or the gospel of Christ is empowerment for Christ to live in you. It takes power for Christ to live in you. And the, the kind of power that it takes for Christ to live in a man, you can't find that power on the earth. No, there's no school on the earth where they can teach you how to live the life of Christ. There's no place you can learn it. So it, it didn't come from the created world. The power of the life of Christ didn't come from what? The create, it's not in the hand of the created it's not in the, create, the realm of creatures to have such a power. Actually, the power that for to live in Christ, or for Christ to live in you, it came from the, it's a divine power. It's actually, when I say divine power, it's a power from the divine. The divine means it actually has something to do with God's life. It's an, it's an empowerment from God. To make a person live. Because Christ is not an ordinary man. There is no man like him. He's a different species. He's a different man altogether. He said if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. And all things are passed away. And behold, all things what, have become new. Praise Jesus. So that divine power is the provision that is something that came from it came out of the divine. Do you understand? It came out of what? It is a provision from the divine. That the divine said, okay, let's just, 
let's give men something. Because there has been a disconnect for a long time. God himself said, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. As high as the heaven is from the earth, so is my way from your way and your thought. Everything is just separate. My mind goes this way, you go this way. We can't meet, we can never jump. So that's that divine life of God. Praise Jesus. It's, so when you think of divine power, think about a one, one life giving, trying to empower a lower form of life, right, is, 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 is a life, when you, the word divine means, is actually has to do with property of God's own life. When you say something is divine, that's a divine thing, it means it has something to do with the, the inward life of God, with God's own life, it makes, that's what makes it divine. Praise God. So the power of what we call the divine power is the, is the provision from, so something from God's own life came down and said, I will use this as an empowerment for man who has been separated from us. Now when you want to now say, okay, that divine power, what is, you have to open the provision of the power that the div- divinity gave. To man, you now see that inside that power, you break it down into compartment of life and godliness. Wow. Praise Jesus! You break it down into what compartment? That's what he's saying here. According as His divine power has given unto us all things that what pertain to what to life and godliness. So you now see when you when the man is climbing up, right? Because it's for, an, it's for an upward climb to get to God. That's what, why all these things, we are discussing all these things. Get to, to get to God in your, in your heart, in your mind, in your reasoning, in your, in your righteousness, in your judgment, in your loves. And all of these areas where we have to reach God. You know, these are the things we have to, these are the places of gap. We have to reach God. Holiness. Be holy as your Father in heaven is holy. Then one place they say, judge righteous judgment. <laughs> Either the spiritual judged all things. It's, it's almost like they, in everything they compare man and God. Do you understand? That's why no soul can escape the Bible. That's why you cannot escape God. You know, we've tried everything. We, we are smart. We have smart mind coined out Christianity to remove that expectation that God has for man. Very, you know, men are, we are smart in evil. That we are able to maintain religious doctrines and religious practices that absorbs man of the responsibility of that. But the Bible doesn't fail. Every time, as long as you're reading the New Testament, they are always comparing man with God. And they are always having an expectation in that comparison. And there's nothing you can do about it. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> there's nothing you can do what? There's nothing you can do about it. So, um, this provision called divine power, and why men have tried to escape from the standard of God, the requirement of God, to come into the glory of God, to come into his holiness, to come into his life, to come into his love, to come into his righteousness, to come into his judgment, all of those things, his wisdom, his knowledge. Why? reason why we found taking the route of trying to absorb ourselves and escape. And when I say religious people, don't be excluding yourself. <laughs> 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 religion. 
that thing that we all came from. Thank God, God has saved us from religion. Religion. So that religious something is not maybe a church you are going us to or something. It's not. It's inside all of us. If you know what that thing is, you know that you can't escape it in one day. It's a, it's a, it's a construction. It's a, it's a mindset. It's an approach. That even while you are reading the Bible, wow, it's divine power. Something inside you can be removing you from the thing. That, uh, what do you learn today about the divine power and everything? Uh, but that you can talk that conversation without your heart picking the expectation. In a personal way, and it's weighing on you. Let the weight of that thing land on your soul. So it means that that religious, the Lord told me, he said, did you know, he said, I want to show you what religion is. He said, okay, what is that religion? He said, the religion is a spirit who sounds like me. Hey. <laughs> he said, it's an evil spirit. Who what? Who sounds like what? Uh, when he's leading men, they, 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 it sounds like my voice. That's why they are very convinced that I'm the one speaking. So that's just religion. It's a, it's a spirit. It's one of the, religion is one of the, the, the finest product of Satan. It's one of his finest product. Finest product is when he talks, when he's moving, when he's giving instruction. The person who is leading are so, so convinced it's God because of how that spirit sounds on the inside. Are you getting me? So, it's not, so don't think it's such an easy thing. Now you've not let all escape religious spirit. All, you see all of us here? All of us here. We have not all what? Religious spirit is, is, is what is fights the, the ministration of the Holy Ghost or what we call the ministry. You know what religious spirit fights? Religious spirit fights the pen of God. When I say pen, I mean what God is using to write, what God wants to use to write on the heart. And you know that the pen of the God is the spirit. According to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, right, not with ink, but what? With the spirit. For as much as you are manifestly, 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 3, for as much as you are manifestly declared to be the epistles of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, not with physical ink, but with the word, the spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshy tables. Praise God. So, so religious is just a wicked spirit that Satan designed that can make war with what? The writing of the spirit of God in the hearts of men. How does it do it? He stays there. Around, he, stays, he stays around that heart. He too is a writer. So it's like, it's like when you hear religious spirit talking, it sounds like the voice of the Holy Ghost. Lead him, do this now. This is the righteousness of God. In fact, this is exactly what God wants. And the man will be so convinced. Yeah, God wants this thing. He will do one grand thing for God. Are you getting me? So the, the, the way religion operates is very, very interesting. It's by, it's by, it's by, it's not, it doesn't operate by just obstruction. He operates by engagement. So instead of, to make, the way he will stop God from leading you, he will lead you onto, into something else. Very quickly. Okay, now this will quickly do this for God. That's what Paul was fighting. I prayed my prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved, that they... That, 
They might be saved for I bear them record. They have a zeal for God. Now imagine that word, zeal for God. Yeah, I see that thing. It sounds righteous. If they say Kai, this guy has a zeal for God. Hey, if they can say that about you, you feel happy. That, is this not a good thing? That they have a zeal for God. You understand? How many pastors, if they say, okay, as a pastor, let's just, let's bless you. All your congregation will have zeal for God. Hey, you will see. The pastor will lie down on the ground. This is what I've been looking for. Zeal for God. Are you getting me? Now, when you see that thing called zeal for God, the spirit of religion can pour it into his soul. And his soul will be, will be healthy in zeal, like Saul of Tarsus was. We say, but not according to knowledge. It's not according to the knowledge of God, not according to the precise knowledge. Are you getting what I'm saying? Uh, so, and that thing is a provision of Satan to do what? To stop the exact thing that God wants man to do. And to then give men other things which sound good and which fuel their zeal for God. And you see, the core of it is to find a way to make the man um, absorb himself from the demands of God. So a Christian can, could have done many things for God. You see, this is a giant. Christian, this is a giant. When I say giant, you mean who is a giant? A giant is somebody who is a spiritual giant. <laughs> have you met a spiritual giant before? When you see them, you yourself, you'll be afraid. But because of the things they are doing, you go home and be crying. Am I born again? <laughs> Those are giants. Amen. Amen. So, so you, you can see a spiritual, soaking quote, a spiritual giant who has, never, who has never given thought all his life to life and godliness. According as the epistles, the scripture this, describing life and godliness. Who is, not, who is not on a journey, who hasn't taken upon the soul the task of, of rising into the, the plane of God's life, bridging the gap between the, the mind of God and his own mind. See, that, that task, that's an impossible task. Praise Jesus. So, but it's a task that we must all take. Amen. Amen. So the, the provision of this faith, which he's speaking about, right, is that... Uh, which is the divine power, right? He said the gospel of Christ is the power of God unto salvation. So the divine power has given unto us all things that pertain to what? Life and God. So first of all, there is a dimension called life. Right? in the provision of the divine power. So you can then do the, the, combine the scripture together. What you can then say is that in the gospel of Christ, according to 1 Corinthians 16, because that gospel is the power of God, it's actually the provision of the divine power. So in the gospel of Christ, you'll find the gospel of life. You'll find the gospel of godliness. So somebody who is preaching Christ can be preaching life to you today. Tomorrow you come and he preaches godliness. They are not the same. They are different aspects of what? Of the, the, the gospel. The gospel of Christ. So you can teach. So say things. They are, it's all things. So there are things that pertain to life. 
then there are things that pertain to godliness. And every soul must have a revelation of things that pertain to life, and you must have a revelation of things that pertain to what? To godliness. And we've, and we've taught that the, the gospel is like, a, when I say gospel, I say what gospel is a tide. It's a tidings. The gospel means good news or good tidings. Good tide. Good tidings means good waters. Right, there's the water of Christ has, there's the water of life. Then there is the water of godliness. These are the things that make up the, the rivers of Christ or what you call the waters of Christ. Praise Jesus. Now, this life and godliness, you now see in Christ, you learn life, you learn life and learn and learn. Then after a point, they begin to teach you godliness. You see, what is that godliness? Godliness is the aspect of Christ's life that is closer to the divine. Do you, are you seeing that? So it, someone can have life of Christ, but they haven't yet begun to be godly. The, only, the time when the soul begins to get godly is the time when their, their revelation or their walk in life has gotten, to, has gotten some proximity to the divinity of God. Are you getting me? <laughs> you know, if you, if you can look at it in the realm of thoughts, it, a person can have carnal thoughts or dead thoughts. Dead, you can call it dead thoughts, vain thoughts, right? It means just, just the thought of anybody who is alienated from the life of God, which is the thought of the Gentiles, which is thoughts that only end on the ground. It can never go upwards. Thought that can run circles on the earth, but can never lift upward. From, you, know, you know those kind of thoughts, those beautiful thoughts, the best thought of our universities can run circles around men on the earth, but can never lift the soul upward. So when the, thought, the soul is exercising such thought, it will not be getting rich to bridge this gap. Praise Jesus. So such thought, someone can think at that level, then they can help the person. He got born again as a Christian. Learn the milk of the world. Milk of the world is not enough to elevate your, a man's thought. But it's enough to prepare the soul for elevation of his thought, then when the soul comes into the word of righteousness, then what that begins to do is to elevate the thoughts of a man. Now we are talking about thoughts. Let's move in the realm of thought now, not ways, but just talking about the thoughts of a man's heart. So the thought of a man can then be elevated into a place where, you see, this man doesn't just think vain thoughts. When you check how he's thinking, it's not just vain. It's not just carnal. This, this person can think thoughts of life. Thoughts of life. That thoughts that in not every thought include life. There are things we can talk about now. After our talking, we share our heart. I share things from my heart and you go away. You've not gotten any life. But I can give you information. I can tell you about things on the earth. We can talk about many things, the industries, the society, politics, government, economy, everything, family, anything on the earth. We can have conversation around that area. But if 
inside of my heart, my thought has not been elevated to have input, import of life. The way I would talk around about those things, there will be no life in it. All my summations and all my answers, my resolutions concerning matters of those realms will, when, if you take them and you go, and I'm giving, I'll be giving you waters. If you take them and you go away, discover that that thing can never make the heart. The heart will still, soul will still be as wretched and the mind will still be as wretched as it was before. When it comes to God, it means you've not done anything to tamper with the gap between God and man. So thoughts are in degrees. Not every thought weigh the same spiritually. It's not every thought that have the same quality, right? One of the one of the main things that the Bible is meant to do to a man is to elevate your thinking. Right? Is to elevate your what? And that's why the Bible doesn't respect smart people. You can be smart but dead. You don't, you're, you're very, very smart, but you are dead. You excel more in dead. Do you understand? And that's this, this world teaches you death. What is death? Death means separation. The more you find out, you can see a soul that, ah, uh-uh. ah. And check it, they are very active and busy. But when you check, what was it? when you now take the activity and superimpose it into the spiritual, you, know, you bring, that's why you expose men. Yeah. If you come into the natural, you come in at every, ah, you can see a guy that looks like, wow, you are the guru in this area. Hey, <laughs> everybody's under you, Jesus. If we can, I can just know a, a tenth of what you know. Hey, my life would have changed. He's a guru, everybody respects him. But then just take the man and then impose him on the vertical scale, not on the horizontal scale of head. Move him into the spirit and then try and weigh the man in the spirit. Aye. For such men, a lot of time, you now realize that the man is not just on the ground. He has already dug hole. He's deep. And, and his activity is digging what? When we are supposed to be ascending to God, he's... Are you getting what I'm trying to say? That The guy is not even on the level ground. He has already dug. He's deeper than most men. And, and, there's no, and you can never find such skill. That's why church can never go outdated. If you try to remove the church from society, man's soul will get corrupt and corrupt and corrupt. The world has no answer to the decadence of the souls of men. Because the world only sees the horizontal scale. It doesn't see what's happening to man vertically. You can't measure that aspect. Are you getting what I'm saying? So, what the, the reason, the purpose of the Bible, that's why men, someone can look at the Bible now, you know, in this our developed world and everything, you say, what kind of book? What is this? Even the English self, everything is just old and archaic and you can't find place for the book in the present world. Right? It's because you are not reading the book properly. You're trying to, to see what does this book have to say about our economy? Does it have anything to say about our present society? Does the, word have, the book have anything to say about government and all that? When you read it, ah, the book says a little thing, a few things about government, but that was the old world. The world has changed. You won't see too much about the Bible in that horizontal scale. But when you flip the scale to 
look at the soul and see with respect to its creator and its spiritual function, what, how, what, does this book have anything to say? You don't realize, hey, only there's no wisdom for the soul of man outside what? Outside the book. Praise God. So in Christ, Christ is a provision. First, you, they have to start from when you want to teach the soul to rise up to God. You have to start teaching the mind of a person with the Bible. You have to use the Bible. You have to allow the person to find it. God will have to have mercy on that person to find some kind of meekness and lowliness. So don't, don't try and judge the scripture with your intelligence. Your intelligence is too, you are too, you are too dull for the Bible. You know what? There's what you call spiritual intelligence. It's a different kind of intelligence from natural intelligence. Amen. Amen. To do this thing is right in the natural. In the spiritual, it's wrong. The, uh, very, many things are like that. You say, okay, this thing naturally just makes a lot of sense. Get this, do this one. That's the next area in your career, in your this, this is the next place. When you check in the spirit, all you see is death, death, more death, greater death, <laughs> death everywhere. <laughs> What it means is that all those things, you are just plot, plotting. Why, and why is the world like that? Why is it not life, life sometimes? Because this world is not structured by spirits. The present earth you have now, God didn't, God didn't make it. God made the trees and all that. But when it comes to the system, you're going to, and, uh, um, oh, I work, I'm in the telecom industry. Is it God that made telecom industry? Huh? The system of how your company is arranged, the way they promote people. Did God make those things? Who made those things? Most of the time, they are men whose, whose spirits are dead, who are children of the devil. Who, the way you come to, to hear revelation from God, they hear revelation from Satan constantly. Nothing breaks it. Do you understand what I mean? Most of the systems of the world were designed. And you don't, you, so you think that when they are, they are devil's children... He doesn't have difficulty in reaching them. That's how all, like we all were before. When you were, before you began to know God, did Satan have difficulty reaching him? The devil. What is Open vision. So what's that matter of gift of the spirit of, of Satan? Eh? Fellowship, fully. He didn't have any problem at all. We are very sensitive to him. Do you know how sensitive you are to the devil? Sensitive, sensitive, sensitive. You don't even have to try. Revelation just comes where you are. You are walking on the street. You are sleeping. You are dreaming. You are awake. You are discussing. Every, all kinds of revelation just comes. Different kind of things from Satan. How to disobey your parents? You will do it flawlessly. You finish the whole thing. You be, after a while, you become a guru at disobedience. Ease, say ease, ease. flow, grace, anointing from Satan. <laughs> what? So, so you think that? So you see the way the world is now. Human beings having no defense against Satan, and we started building civilization. Ah, problem, solve the problem of this one. That's the next thing. 
Millennium Development Goals. Nations gather. It's the head of states, all of them. Are you get what I mean? With their suit and everything, children of Satan, who he talks to. This one will bring his own revelation. Oh, okay, the next I think, well, if you think about it this way, his own revelation. The other one has his own side. Oh, who is talking to all of them? The devil. So you think that all the systems and everything in the world that came from such mind, that the devil just did it. Let's just figure out what men would like to do. You think there's no plan behind it? The, that God of this world. So you are the quick in who I once dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked. I see, I love this message. I will never, I can preach it a hundred times to you. I don't get tired of it. Because every time I'm preaching this message, it sounds fresh to me. Maybe it's because it has not delivered us yet. So I feel like, can't you just move up, teach other higher things? But anytime I'm in this place, I feel like I'm talking to somebody somewhere. So, Praise God. Let me just, let's, can we keep talking about this thing? I know that this God of this world, he doesn't want me to speak about him. He wants me to move to another revelation. He me to teach about the DNA inside the blood of the son and all that. <laughs> Praise God. And then after teaching all the, the DNA, then we'll go and walk in the cause of this world. <laughs> Sometimes, and the only thing sometimes you say, hey, teach, teach that, that place. Yeah. Mm. Stay there. Talk about it again. It means that, you know, that his people are not free from it. Yeah. We are not free. Praise God. They, say the, the cause of this world. You, you, they need to raise you up to a point where you hate the world. Yeah. I'm talking about you're not hating people, not hating, I mean... Hating the world. You hate it. Anything, when the world is trying to offer you something, you will hate it. You will hate it. And what, the only thing that can make you hate the world is revelation. You have to be able to see the wicked spirit behind it. And I know, no, no, I have nothing to do with it. You have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. But expose them. Say unfruitful works of darkness. Praise Jesus. So, so, that, so just to tell you that, that this, in the natural, there's a different kind of, when you see natural life, natural advancement, natural development, natural increase, natural growth, natural expansion, natural anything in the natural. Have, don't be foolish know that there are things behind it. That the, this life we live in the, in the natural is not, it doesn't really mean anything. Solomon weighed everything. He said at the end of the matter, look, look. He said, I am the preacher. You are not like me. I was anointed to search out everything that's done under heaven. See, this task did I receive is a task he had in his soul. He went into all kinds of things and searched out pleasures and everything. He now said, look, listen to me. Everything is all vanity. Vanity upon vanity. There's nothing new under the sun. It's all vexation of spirit. They now say, okay, hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God. Keep his commandment. This is the whole duty of man. If anybody tries to convince you not to be spiritual, 
that you are doing too much. There are things on this earth you can do. Ask them, okay, where are you coming from? Did you do a research? Then you will say, okay, I have a life experience. Some people can be feel like I'm old. Ah, I'm 60. Don't waste your youth. If you waste your youth, you will regret it. When you get to my age, there are things you should have done and traveled. You know, I know that that thing can impose on you when you hear that. Hey, that guy, let me not be foolish. These men have seen life. The, only, the question I will ask myself, I, don't, I, I agree you have experience, but do you have more than Solomon, sir? I agree you've seen some things, but do you see as much as Solomon saw? Did you, did you, did you investigate the earth like Solomon investigated? How many wives did you marry? Let's start from there. <laughs> did, you, did you do the investigation? Were you empowered by God to search out everything? But he said, look, this, that was my task. And then he said, here, if Solomon say, here the conclusion, here. Oh. There's nothing you will discover again on the earth that he hasn't gone into. He said, here, this is the conclusion of the whole matter. This is the, so some of us who sometimes, sometimes the devil can just anoint you. Take a voyage. There's something out there. There's nothing out there. He said that. Here the conclusion of the, as long as it has to do with this earth, exploits, advancement, all the ventures of men, the conclusion is fear God. Keep his commandment. This is part, is it? Part of the duty. This is this is, your, this is pertaining to your spiritual life, fear God and keep going. Pertaining to your Christian walk, fear God. And then he said, look, this is the whole matter. This is the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God. This is the whole duty. The whole duty of man. Say whole duty. Whole duty. The whole duty of man. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. So what is the meaning of that? What did Solomon say, actually? Is he just talking about Ten Commandments? It's not. He's, tell, he's, telling, he's speaking to the soul, yes. right? The soul that if you, if you want to, as you're living, when you are taking duty, duty means what you are, you are occupied with. He's saying that as a soul, occupy yourself with fear of God. Of how should your soul come to fear of God? How can your soul fear? What is the meaning of fear? <laughs> to fear God. He's saying that because the, the natural tendency of man on the earth is to not fear. Why? Because it is a nature that God has that he likes to be hidden from men. So because of that sort of thing of not con- him not constantly being, you know, imposing himself, you know, every day, we just, when you wake up, we just show you one aspect of the little fire and his little finger. Look at this fire. This, <laughs> this thing can consume the whole world. <laughs> just to, sh- to remind you who I am. <laughs> Go to work. <laughs> because... <laughs> <laughs> That's what atheists feel like, God, how God should be. So I say, where is he, where is he? Because he's not showing himself every day. They feel like they, they want to provoke him. They will insult him, everything. Where are you? But it's not like that. 
God is not, not, who are you to be demanding God to show himself? (laughs) Praise Jesus. So Solomon knows that because God is that way, men can have a tendency not to fear him. But not fearing God is a great danger to a soul. Because whether you fear or not fear, he's who he is. And may, may, who would deliver, if you fall into the hand of God, who can deliver you? And you know, the, 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 the dicey thing of this is that men can easily fall into God's hand without knowing. Because you don't see God physically. And if he's a physical guy, you can be checking his smile. And when he's frowning, you move back. I don't mean that. That was a joke. I didn't mean to do that. <laughs> You know, we like that kind. You know, we like investigating where's the ex- How far can I go? The nature of man. Man is perverted by nature. So, the imagination of our heart are constantly evil. But because of that, a soul must exercise himself in a fear. So, that, that's, that statement of fearing God is actually a, a huge statement. You have to use New Testament light to interpret what he's saying. Without the New Testament, you won't be able to see it properly. Amen. Amen. Thank God for, okay, the revelation that the prophet had about the Spirit. He was prophesying in the book of Isaiah chapter 11 about the Spirit of God. Right? And he answered that the last one, he said, shall comfort the rod stem of Jesse, branch out of his root, and the spirit of the Lord shall be upon him, spirit of wisdom and understanding, counsel and mind, and last one, knowledge. See, the last one is the fear of God. Knowledge and the fear of God, and it will make him of a quick understanding where in the fear, what they call the fear of the Lord. Fear. So you see, they tied knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Those are twins. Each of those spirits are twins. There's wisdom and revelation or understanding are twin spirits. Counsel and might are twins. Knowledge and the fear of the Lord, they are twins too. You know, we don't speak about those last two a lot because we don't understand. We understand more about revelation and wisdom and spirit of counsel and mind. We don't know too much about the spirit of the Lord. Have you fellowship with the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord before? That's another dimension. When a soul begins to fellowship with that spirit, you are, t- you are touching godliness. You're, you're moving the school of the spirit. You're moving into the, the, as- the deeper end of what? Of when you begin to, anything that has to do with fear, say fear, yeah. has to do with God. Why? Because God is actually the being who man is ordained to fear. But you cannot have what that thing is revealing to us, as I chapter 11, is that you can't have fear without knowledge. Right? If you don't fear this thing, there's nothing, you can stand there for a million years, nothing can make you start fearing it all of a sudden. You need fresh information about it. Say, ah, this is just a phone now. There's nothing that can make you fear this phone. Ah. This is not really a phone. We just seized it from one terrorist now. It's like there might be a bomb inside this. <laughs> there's, a, there's a 
it's not, they, removed, they removed the circuitry and they planted some other thing inside that with C4 that can explode. What happens? So, so knowledge, as we just bring what? It's another kind of fear. So it means that your fear of God is only as good as your perception of him, your knowledge of him. Nobody can fear God without knowing God. Say knowledge. And revelation is not enough to make you fear God. <laughs> How many of you can attest to that? Do you know why revelation can make you fear? Because revelation is still, is still away from you. It's still, it's still not really your thing. It's just it's revelation. The spirit of revelation and the spirit of wisdom they are not the same thing as the spirit of knowledge. The spirit of knowledge is the spirit the spirit of say knowledge. knowledge the spirit of knowledge is also is the spirit of judgment. Uh-huh. The spirit of knowledge is the spirit of what? Is the spirit of judgment. So you can have a revelation concerning something, but that revelation has not yet become your judgment. It's not yet become what? For, for it to become your judgment, it must have entered inside your, your own your blood. There must have been a transfusion of that pain in, inside your own person. Praise God. Hallelujah. What makes you fear is it is your judgment that will make, it, that make you fear. Say your own judgment. Judgment is not the same thing as revelation. Judgment is wholesome. You can have a revelation, but you can have a revelation. When you have a revelation, it's a little bit dark. Sorry, it's, it's part. Revelation is pieces, little aspect, a tiny thing. Revelation doesn't usually form a whole, a wholesome picture. So. It's not the same thing as knowledge. When you say, I know something, it's not the same thing. Ah, you just gave me an idea, an insight about something. So usually, revelation is an information that comes to you that, is, is, that forms an aspect and gives an insight about a matter. What, when they are given a revelation, a lot of times it's not enough to form a whole thing or to judgment does not rise from bits and pieces of information. When you say that, what, to exercise judgment on a matter, you say, no, no, um, show me all the things. You say, can you come and judge concerning this thing? They say, ah, okay, we have some information about it. They'll say, make a decision. You say, no, I can't make a decision based on it. Can I have the full perspective? Bring all the data you have. Bring everything. If they bring the data that's there, you might feel like the data you have is not enough for me to decide concerning this matter because it's not complete. 
concerning that thing, there's, but when all the revelation accumulates and it forms a wholesome picture, judgment can occur. Do you understand it? That's the difference between, that's why when they say they that know their God, it's not they that have some revelation. Right? Some, a little bit, so it's not every revelation you have that is almost, that will result in full judgment about things. So many of us, we've not gotten to the place of judgment when it comes to God. That's why they can easily knock us off, right? When you go into the to church, you love God and you remember him. When you go back to the work, to your office, you are somebody else. Because you might have revelation, you lack knowledge. You lack knowledge of God. How do you know people that have, no, that have knowledge of God? People who have, who arrive at knowledge, when you arrive at knowledge concerning a thing, to walk contrary to that thing will feel like dying to you. Do you get what I'm saying? If you have revelation, you can put revelation aside and do other things. You just say, ah, I understand this, I hear this, okay, I agree with it, I agree, I agree. I'm not fighting it, put it on one side. And then you, you go. Now, so that would tell you why the world is so strong. Because the anchor, the world is anchored in us as knowledge, yes. not as revelation. Yes. Wow. Worldliness in, in man. And Satan, how does he build that? When he say concerning how you ought to, the things you ought to pursue, you, can, you, you have many angles to think about it from. Why you should go after something on the earth. The systems of the world is almost like a it's like a system of wholesome reality. Yes, that when the world says it's time for this, so you can hardly have an excuse. You can be learning revelation, but that your revelation is not strong enough to give an excuse to the world and say, no, I'm not doing this. When the world says it's time for this. Say, this time of your life is a season to get married. The world has just spoken. Hey, then you now begin to check. From different angles. Look at the age angle. Hey! <laughs> when you now look at your family side. Hey! hey. It's time. You now look at your peers and your mates. It's time. It's time. <laughs> When you look at your own biological clock. Hey! What happened? Now, how many things? It's a knowledge. That is a knowledge, man. It's time to marry. But then they come, maybe the pastor will preach from Revelation that time that you know there's your singlehood that has some purpose and all that. And there's some things about, you know, God, when you're a single person, you know, you have to know, you have to press into some things and all. And in that message, you say, God, you need to help me. Kai, there are still things about you. I still need to have some encounter. You still need to define some things in my life. When you're in that moment, you see everything. Ah, oh, God, 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 God. Ah, I need more time. I need to get deeper. I need to deepen my roots. And all you, you make revelation. But sometimes that revelation is not strong enough. When one, one brother just... Praise Jesus. 
He didn't say he want to marry you. He just took your number. So, you know, the world now begins to start. Knowledge versus revelation. Who's likely to win? Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Yes, it's not easy for revelation to win knowledge. It's not easy. You need the most, the most poor. It's not enough for revelation. Revelation can't stand knowledge by itself. You must pour something called mind. Counsel and might. It's not easy. Counsel and might are is warriors, are warriors against contrary knowledge. It's like mind, that thing called the spirit of mind, like Paul was praying in Ephesians chapter 3. I, I pray my, for this reason I bow my knees to the Father for Lord Jesus Christ, that He will grant unto you to be strengthened with might by His Spirit in your in a man. Now what else? Next one. Verse 18. That Christ may dwell in your heart by faith. That you've been then rooted and then what? Grounded in love. Then later he now said that you might what? Be able to comprehend with the sense and the breadth, the length and the depth. So you see when you talk of breadth, length, depth, height. It's what measurement, it's wholesomeness. They're trying to bring you into knowledge. So you need might and counsel to establish knowledge. Right? You need what? Might and what? Counsel to establish knowledge. What is counsel? Counsel is revelation converted to your native language. Degums. It's not easy because revelation you know, we cannot fight a, a contrary knowledge because knowledge is a system. It's a something. It's everything set. It's not easy for just a revelation to fight a contrary knowledge. But there is a way that they must take that revelation, then convert it and that spirit called counsel, interpret it into the language that speaks to your own heart, and then pour a strength called might to wage war. That even though I can hold, to make you hold on to a revelation that is not full yet, but to stand with it against a wholesome knowledge of the world that is convincing you otherwise, there has to be a spirit of might on the inside of you. What is spirit of might and counsel? Counsel is, a, is what, when revelation has you've had understanding, it has sat in your heart. When, as you are living every day, morning, afternoon, night, morning, afternoon, night, what is counsel? Counsel is another voice out of that revelation that talks in your own language that can easily intercept you when you are trying to act against that revelation. So you will see why just wisdom, which brings things from God, is not enough to establish the person it must turn to an understanding. Understanding means it must sit somewhere properly in your heart. It's from that place all kinds of counsel will begin to come. Counsel will say, see that revelation concerning this particular matter? This is how it applies here. 
The other one, this is how that same revelation applies in this other context. It, 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 it transforms revelation into contexts of living. When it comes to thinking about marriage, this is how that revelation applies. Thinking about your career, this is how that same revelation applies. That's the spirit of counsel. And when he's talking that way, there's also a spirit of might with it that is there. It's what will enable you to be able to stand with that revelation against a convincing, powerful system of knowledge which is in the world. Am I making sense to you? Glory to God. But when in the ministry of those, those spirits, there will be a time when something higher than counsel should come. It's called judgments. Yes. The only thing, the only answer to the world is judgment. Only judgment can overcome the world. Revelation can overcome the world. Do you understand what I mean? Yes, say overcome. overcome. What I say can overcome the world. Judgment. When Jesus was saying, I, I, in that, that book of John chapter 16, that I'm, I'm coming, I'm bringing, what is it? I didn't come to bring, let's see, uh, John chapter 16, glory to God. I come to convict the world of righteousness, of sin. Of, sorry, when he is come, John 16, verse 8, when he is come, he will reprove the word of sin first, and then of righteousness, and then of what? Of judgment. Go on. Of sin because they believe not on me. That's faith. Of righteousness because I go to my, fa- to my father and you see me no more. Then finally, of judgment because what? The prince of what? This world is judged. Do you see that? So in the gospel of Christ, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. Right? So righteousness comes in bits and in pieces. But judgment is a house, is a building. When you say, when you speak of judgment, you know, there is a sense in which Judgment is equal to righteousness. Do you know that? There's a sense in which judgment is what? Is equal to righteousness. Thank you, Father. There's a sense in which judgment is equal to righteousness. Um, and the Bible uses those, those, that a lot. Typically, not in the, old, in the New Testament. Typically in the Old Testament. Right? Because in the Old Testament, there's a way they use language there. Amen. Amen. In the translation. But that's not the sense I'm speaking of. When you say judgment, most of the time, when, when judgment, the word judgment is used to mean righteousness, they use plural. So, so all thy judgments, thy judgments, those are talking about actually revelations of righteousness. They use that plural, judgments. But a lot of time when they say judgment as a singular, it's talking about the stature of knowledge. It is, it is judgment is what many judgments, plural, accumulate into. It's a stature of judgment. 
So that thing called the one said, this man has judgment. That judgment is a, is a building of knowledge on the inside. And it's only judgment that can judge the world. Right? It's another one you say the world, the world is like a, it's a kind of cosmos. It's a, it's a finished product. It's a sound design. So to someone that has little bits and pieces of revelation, we find it difficult to judge the world. Right? But instead, are you getting what I'm saying? Instead, you will be able to, to have a resistance against corruption that is in the world. Someone can be having resistance against corruption that is in the world, but you have not come to a stature where you can judge. Once a soul can judge the world, you live above the world. You, you, know, you, don't, know, you don't think it can happen. It can happen. It can happen. You see those all the lost, so all the things that are in the world, the loss of the eyes, the, the loss of the flesh, pride of life, all those things, one day your soul can just rise above it. Amen. You will just be above it. Anything that, any loss that wants to rise up towards you, when you look at it, you judge it. You can, are you getting what I'm saying? What will finish and completely eradicate the power and the pull of loss and pride is judgment. Is you have a higher word, judgment than the world. That's actually what it means to overcome the world, is having what? A higher, uh-huh. So that judgment is a what? Is a stature of of knowledge. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm making some sense. Yes, yes, are, you, are you getting me? Yes, uh-huh. So one of the main purpose for the godly man, so a, a man who has life, a man can have life in his meditation. He can have life in his thought. But such a man does not yet have judge, what you call godliness. Godliness is actually is a stature of knowledge. A godly man has a knowledge in him and has a fear in him. That thing was speaking about the fear of the Lord. That fear, when Solomon said, now fear God and keep his commandments and all of those things, you can see that that fear comes from a kind of knowledge which the soul should have. Praise Jesus. So godliness is the the kind of, is almost like a measure of how powerful as the soul become. Do you see that? How what? How powerful has the soul become? Say powerful. The way you can measure how powerful a soul is become is what can the soul resist? Do you understand? Because if your strength fails in the battle, your strength is little. That's how we test you. It's not in the gym. Can you test strength in the gym? You can see a guy in the gym can scatter everything. We'll finish all the weights there anymore. They have to go and make special one for him because he has. But you can't test such things. It's when you see such a guy biceps and tries routine. When you see him, then you, you can bring him to war and he'll start crying. Like a baby. <laughs> 
He, and he hasn't seen weapons. He just saw the face of the enemy. <laughs> the way they look. <laughs> just the face of the enemy can sense shields. You know, you know what I mean? So you can't test men when they are just by exercising. It's when in the day of battle. The Bible says, if your strength fail in that day, that's how we know that your strength was little. So the way, one of the, the tests for a soul, that the soul has become powerful against the world, is do you, how much resistance against lust do you have? Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, pride of life. You can see a soul can resist lust, but when it comes to pride, they're just bro- they're just, there's nothing that can resist some kind of prides. Say prides. You know, that pride is called the pride of life. Is a, a kind of pride. It's not being pompous. Pompous is being pompous. It's not pride. But what you call pride of life. For a soul, a soul to overcome the pride of life, such a soul must have judgment against the life that Satan has defined. What gives what the power or the strength behind what they call the pride of life is the weakness of men to judge the to judge and to see the filthiness in the life that Satan has defined. And if something is filthy, but you can't judge its filthiness, you can take it and wear it as a cloth and be proud with it. Do you see that? So the pride of life is tied to man's wrong judgment, that the things that we are proud of, that we take as our, our what do you call it, our boast on, in the earth and in life. Why we boast and glory in those things is because we can't see the what? The... the the corruption. Because our judgment is low. If anybody still has pride in how much money they have, you are low. If you take pride in your occupation and say, I'm an engineer, I'm a doctor, I'm something, so because of that, I'm better than so, 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 and so, you are low. You are, you are, your understanding is low. You are foolish spiritually. Because somewhere you calculate that that thing means something. Are you seeing? So you see all this class and all these things on the earth, which is what the entire earth lives on. This is what drives everything on the earth. It's actually a foolish thing. Because it's because of the blindness of the eyes of men. They can't see anything beyond that. Do you get that? Those are the things that feed into the pride of life. Say pride of life. life. It's it's just talking about life. There's something called the pride of life. It's the the pride of the, that, the definition of how Satan has defined and calibrated life. In everything in life, you attach a pride to it. There's a pride attached to every single thing that men do, every single thing. Someone is married, another pride can come. So, when, so I want to marry, sometimes it's not really because you are looking for a man to love and give your life, yourself to and serve. 
a lot of women who want to marry, it's not because they are, they are so dying. I need to serve a man and submit to him. I need to submit. I need submission. And that's, not their, that's not why. It's just it, it's the pride of it. It's actually just the, it's the, the garment that Satan has worn around marriage. Yeah. There's something he has put around it that they, 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 they long for that cloak. Sometimes. I'm not saying that every woman that wants to marry, that's why. I'm just telling you that there is something in that place. That's just an example. If someone, ah, I want to be a pastor, is it because, not because you really have God in your flock, the world is going astray. God, we need to save the world. My, oh my God, such a weight in my heart. God, when are you going to visit this nation? Sometimes that's not the reason right behind ministry and why someone wants to be a minister. When you just say, hey, this pastor thing said somehow, this whole thing about, you know, just glory to Jesus. And then you just, you know, he's just able to, you know. Just, uh, Satan is a rascal. He can, he, can, he can put glory in anything. Anything. Anything about anything. You find out that anything that men pursue, so a lot of times it's not because of a genuine motive. It takes the word of God to, do, to check to discern the intent and the motive of the heart that a lot of things are driven by lust and pride. This thing we call the world. But it's not something that you can just shake off. There, is, there has to be, say power. power. Are, you, are, you get, are you saying what they call divine power? So you now see why the power that will help a soul to overcome the world must be divine. It must be a power that came from another life. You can't use the current life to defeat the pride of life. Because you can't use the pride of this life to fight the pride of this life. You know that pride of life is the greatest weapon of life. You can't. Something from another, from say the divine. The divine must come. So, those who are able to overcome the world are those who have received empowerment from, it's, an, it's actually an empowerment, it's not like manpower, it's another kind of power. It's, a, it's an empowerment from the, the mind of God. For you to see the world as dung, as refuse, as, and disdain it, you can't force your brain to think that way about the world. Glory is slippery and swift. Before you know it, it has swept you off your feet. Yes, Before you know it, you are gone. You are already pursuing that yes, thing. Yes, Do you understand? Yes, there must be something. It's another. You must see it through another sense. That's why God is awesome. God is a creator. You have to respect God. For is it? It's not that easy. Praise God. Can can you think? of another kind of man. Let's say we never saw Christ and his nature from the Bible. Let's close Bible. Let's say there was never a Bible. And they say, see this problem we all have called war. You won't even know what lust and pride of life is. But let's assume that you even knew what pride and everything. I say, can you think of another man that is different from this kind of man? Can you invent another mind? that is of man. Another, can you write another software of man that is not the software 
that is driven by lust and pride. Is it, is not, that's why you, you can't think yourself into that kind of frame and state. It took the creator to invade, it took the divine life. It was the divine life of the creator to say, okay, we can create another man who is not a slave to lusts and who is not a slave to pride. We can create another man who is not divine, but who is still a man, but is a man with another sense that can hate lusts and can hate pride. What kind of sense will be in a man to look at the glory of this world and reject it? It's another kind of sense. It's a powerful kind of thing. You have to think of the nature of Christ. Christ is, Christ is a man that is more powerful than the natural man. There are, there are places where every man falls. Just bring any, there are some glories of this world. Once you raise the glory and put it there, bring any man from anywhere. You now discover that all men are brothers. The Chinese, the African, the, the white man, all of you. No matter, forget the English and the suit, everything. When, it, when you raise a kind of glory on the earth, all men will get there and all men will fall. That's why nobody will resist the beast. The Antichrist, Revelation chapter 13. He said, Cause all men, go and read the language they were using there. All, all men of all tribes, everybody, forget about your, your, your nice grammar can't resist him. You actually worship him. All the culture, there, is no, there will not be found any culture, any type of man with any kind of cultural taste. There is no cultural taste on the earth that has resistance to pride of life. It's just that the pride, is, it morphs. What makes men proud in the Western world and not be what makes one little tribe in East Africa proud. Their own will be different. So that when you bring them to the pride and show them the pride of a Western guy, say, this is nonsense. What do you mean? What are you guys? Why are you guys celebrating all these things? This means nothing. But check inside their own. They have their own thing. Yes. Their, their culture is also according to, you know, <laughs> they, you find classes. You find all kinds of things there. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. So, it takes the, a, the kind of man that can be raised against this world has to be, that's what I want to settle in our heart, it has to be a man that is divine, that came from, is an invention of God. So the nature of Christ, the man called Christ, is what? The, a man who came from the mind of God. They call him the, God, the godly man. The godly, the godly man. So the godly man is not, is not a man that has the nature of God, but is another kind of man that can flow, that is empowered for God, or empowered for the life of God. Praise Jesus. So according, um, Second Peter, according as his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto what? Life and godliness through the word, knowledge of who? Of him, through what? The knowledge of him that has what? Called us to glory and virtue. So you can see once a person comes to life and godliness, they've arrived at, at virtue. They've arrived at what? At, sorry. Once you come to life and godliness, you arrived at knowledge. 
through the knowledge of him that called us to glory and virtue, whereby I given unto us exceeding great, and then what? Precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is where in the world, through what? Through lost. Praise God. Whereby I are given to us exceeding great and precious promises. Exceeding great and precious promises. So the, the divine power, apart from empowering you, it also registers a promise on the inside of the soul. That promise is a promise to make you a partaker, to partake. So the divine power is for to help the soul to come and partake of the divine word, the divine nature. So you see the difference between the divine power and the divine nature. There's the ministry of the divine power, then there's the ministry of the divine nature. The ministry of the divine power, you see, it culminates in you escaping the corruption that is in the world through lusts. That's the culmination of the divine power. So you want to say, ah, have I, have I learned Christ? Do I know Christ? Check. Have you escaped corruption that is in the world through lust? How much of your meditation is driven by lust? One of the things Satan will try to convince you is that, ah, this thing is very hard, though. It's very, it's very hard, it's hard, without lust. You feel like everybody is like you. That's one danger of this thing, this part. That why you feel, you, if you are still driven by lust, you assume that everybody is still secretly driven by lust. You assume that everybody, you, you don't know that some people have gone far in this matter that we are talking about that. Since we've been on this thing, that people have, some people have been journeying. Some people have been denying all kinds of loss, all kinds of things. They've been denying it. Corruption, fighting. Some souls have been fighting corruption. But because you are not God, you can't see. You don't try the heart. You don't know. You, you, you might feel like everybody, we just come to meeting together. We hear the message and all of it. So we are going, you feel like everyone is coming and going back like you. <laughs> Don't assume people are changing. No, I know people who are changing. I can see, I can tell, I can smell conversation. And I know people who are fighting change to a degree, to a great degree. So you should have died to this thing since two years, three years. You are still holding on to it. It's visible. When you, are, when you see, because there's a way, so, and that's one of the things, if God has put you over soul, there's an eye God will give you, because you cannot, you cannot minister to soul without an eye about soul. Where will you be ministering from? How would you? <laughs> so, so God has to give an eye. That's how you, you that's how you, because what you are fighting are things the devil has put in people. God must give eye to see what, what Satan has put. Praise God. 
Well, some, some of us take that assumption and you feel that, ah, this thing is so hard. It's a, not a defeated mentality. Like, kai, kai, kai. Can this lust ever be broken? Without taking the challenge. But lusts can be broken by the divine power. With the divine power. The Lord is, but the Lord is still trying. There are people that he needs to still convince about this thing. That there is salvation here. You can change. Things can be broken. You can let corruption go. They can move you beyond offense. Beside this, giving all diligence. This is an attitude of spelling out of certain things. I love the epistle. I love the epistle. You know why I love the epistle? Because if Paul can't get the job done, Peter might get it done. <laughs> or John will get it done. Or a combination of some of them in their way of speaking. And it's for to minister to different kinds of hearts and different kinds of soul. Beside this, giving all diligence. Giving all diligence. What does it mean of all diligence? They are telling you how people who come into this thing, how, what is their approach towards the, the matter beyond the approach to the, this conversation. Right? You must add to your faith virtue. I'm not going to now explain what each one of these things mean because many of us we know some of these things to a degree in different through different language praise God but my point is I want to highlight the attitude of this thing of adding Sometimes you don't know how to add to your conversation. The time when the Lord has moved you towards, this, towards something, the revelation about you shouldn't, don't speak this way. Don't say, don't say things like this. You have that understanding because counsel has come because of revelation that came to your heart about it. You settled the matter, counsel came. It won't pour some grace into your heart for concerning it. It's now time for you to take that thing, move forward, build on it. But a soul that is without diligence is careless about such things on the inside. What about maybe attitude of life, of sanctification, which can play out in different ways? I don't want to be giving an example because there are very many, and each person is peculiar. Say diligence. Say that inward diligence. And you don't know. When the Holy Ghost is saying, hey, don't. Calm down now. Do this this way. Take this part. We'll show you something. But, you know, there's a way you, you want to assume that you can just 
disobeyed and nobody will know because nobody's watching your inward conversation. You feel like without consequences, you can disobey the leading of the Spirit concerning something. Such things are dangerous to do because in such place, that's where your, that's where your change comes from. If you see someone who, ah, some people like, they like, oh, wow, how did you grow? I, I went to someone, someone was trying, was interrogating, it's an interrogation. Yeah, so how did you, oh, wow. Somebody who knew me from some time back, so they're asking me, okay, this one, this one, how did you, you know, this, <laughs> you know, so talking about maybe some things they see in me, and they are wondering, maybe, Maybe they felt that maybe there's one, there was one big thing. Maybe I went somewhere I'm in the middle of the night. Like, wake up, my son. And then say, they took me to go and stand at the junction of so-and-so. And in that place, I will meet with you. And then I'm come by my angel. I was here. All an encounter. I saw the Lord and all that. Nothing like that. I just, I just told the person, see, look at this thing. It's just, it's just little, 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 little obedience that means nothing. For many years, that's the answer. Tiny, 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 tiny. And the obediences, they don't usually seem big. And nobody sees them. It's just you and your God, secret in your heart. Change. This is a time to shift your attitude. Don't, don't respond from this way. There's another way. You see, that's this very little, tiny voice inside. And that thing, it's not you, there won't be, once you've done it, there will not be a clap from heaven. <laughs> Applause. Wow. It's not like that. It's not like that. It's giving diligence. Secret. Every advancement in this aspect are secret. The same way how do we become bad is by doing secret things. Secret, secret. Some of the things we have become very, very, some of the bad things we have become experts at doing, we're not that bold at doing them. It's by little, little, little nudging. Okay, you can go this extra step. Now, go further a little. Have you seen those little obedience? How we obey sin? That's how the soul journeys. That's how you also journey in righteousness. If you are waiting for one kind of groundbreaking, maybe. I got to a meeting and it was that convention. Maybe that year, school of the spirit and everything, I just surrendered to God. All those things don't really happen like that. Even if you go to a meeting and then a fresh, what happens A fresh grace comes to help you. It's not something that will just come to change you automatically by magic. It's maybe a fresh impetus that can just rest on your heart. You still need to go home and be obeying that silent counsel of your heart about how they want to shift your nature, change you, and you need to be willing to welcome judgment that comes from the, the man that you want to be, and then take that judgment and use counsel and apply and walk in line with those things. Say diligence. Accordingly, as his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain to the pertain to life and God, you know how we, it, it's preached? Powerful life. And so one day I will just receive godliness. They all say, okay, this is how they do it. Now beside it means, put this one here. Then this is not another thing. It's beside it. Meaning that 
We want to explain the process of it. Beside this, you have to be given what? Say all diligence. There's a place where the heart must come to, a place of all diligence. When you, you arrive at that place where you want to give all diligence, Satan will begin to be afraid of you. The devil will begin to be afraid because nothing can stop a person who sides with God. You now realize that, ah, so the problem this whole time hasn't really been God. It has been me. You now realize how much power has been made available. That really sin has no power yes. if, you are, if you can side with God. Yes. That sin is only as big as your, your, your lack of willingness. There's no loss that is so powerful that you, that God cannot break and crumble. If you are able to just make the hard decision, I'm going to, I'm going to side with God. Say, I'm going to side with God. There are some of you, the Lord has been teaching you about many things. These, all these, area, command, these are words of commandments. Submission one to another, for example. If there's still anything inside you that wants to be above your brother, why? Can you, does the Holy Spirit not talk to you about that thing? So when the Holy Ghost talks, what do you do? Do you accept it? Or do you just silence it? Nah, 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 nobody's seen that thing. Are you getting what I'm saying? Sometimes the devil will put your mind more on what the other person is doing and not make you think about your own fault. Right? And when you see such a person, no, no, he should have, he should have. But I say, Kai, 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 are you a baby? Are you a baby? Don't come and be telling me what somebody should have done, man. Are you, why, why are, you, are you so dull concerning these things? Why are you thinking about what somebody else should have done? Are you, don't you care about your own soul? Don't you know that it's... Haven't the Lord, haven't you heard the, the voice in you saying that, that it's all about your own, your own conversation? Are you, are you, it's, an art, it's a mind I'm speaking concerning. It's called diligence. It's a diligence. diligence. A, a diligent heart doesn't let, doesn't let things sleep. A diligent heart doesn't excuse something. Because when they will know you can excuse some things, he will come and stay there. Because he will know that this one, you always find an excuse in your mind for it. So who's going to stay there? Amen. And that, those areas where you excuse the most are the areas where your change is needed the most that you need to confront. Amen. Amen. So the trying of your faith being precious than what? Being precious than gold that perishes. When it be tried with fire to be found unto praise, honor, and glory. Praise God. There will be a time when you, the soul will, will be, should be without excuse. Hmm? So 
So the same devil that tempts the soul not to give diligence is the same devil that then comes later and tells you this thing is not attainable. Are you seeing such an operation? It's the same devil, say, ah, man, Kai, I mean, becoming like God, having the mind of Christ, overcoming all the lust and all the pride. Hey, how can we do it? Is that is the devil talking to you? Then that same devil, when it's time to, to give diligence to, the, to what will make you arrive at that place, uh-huh, then that's the same devil that will come and make sure that the heart overlooks the answer, overlooks the way. And he does it many ways, many ways. You know, there's the, the danger of, of the of collective journey is that you, you keep looking around, ah, we are all here. You, think, you feel everybody's, you think you are fighting the same lust. But you don't know that that lust that maybe you are fighting that you, you've agreed and you've embraced. This one is my lost, though. We're all here together. <laughs> You're smart. That's smart. That is smart of an ignorant soul. That is, that is blissfully ignorant in a time of change. But you don't know that. Maybe because you are seeing maybe a little bit of lost in somebody, you don't know that. Maybe that lost is just the last, the last. You know when you clean this whole thing, there's one last one that you need to clean. Maybe that's the one that you are seeing. You don't know how much work this guy has, or that lady has been doing and you are measuring yourself, that if you compare yourself with yourself, you are not wise. Do you understand? Instead of you to be faithful with your, own, with your own path and your own dealing inside your heart, do that inward work, that secret work. Be serious with your path. Do you understand what I'm saying? The Lord is, convinc- is convincing you some of the things that we've been over. Hey, hey, why you keep talking about to this lady and this guy? Every time, every night, every day, five times, three times a week, two hours a day, three hours a day. Something you had to say, this is not right. Everybody's doing it. That one talks to his own. That one talks to his own. I can talk to my own. I you know what I'm saying? When the Lord is, is convicting you that this is the time, leave such frivolous things. It's time for you to sow into the spirit rather than what? Sowing your at affections. You know, it's not easy to show your affections to God as a single person when you are, you are pouring your affections around and using your strength, sowing your strength around, and the Holy Ghost will talk to you. You know, you know why am I mentioning this area? This is a place that plagues young people, right? When it comes to giving time. See, what was the message of Saturday? Ah, you can't remember. Why? What were you thinking between Saturday and Sunday? On Thursday evening, you were on the phone, you were talking. Friday, you were talking. Maybe the reason why you didn't talk on Friday is because there was church, so you had to go for program in church. Eh? Am I lying to you? Everybody's quiet and you're looking at me. I'm not afraid of your quietness. Whether you are, you are quiet or you're not quiet, I'm going to tell you, tell you some things, man. I, I'm telling you what is stopping you. I'm telling you what is stopping you. You know, the, all those things, if it's okay, you can keep doing them. When you know that those things are below the standard. Sometimes the devil will make an excuse with you. He will show you, ah, what about this other Christian? Are they not doing it? Are, are they your standard? 
That one who is doing, they will his own visitation might, might even be another five years from now. When, he visit, when God visits him, he will take God seriously. And by that time, maybe you've passed your own season of grace. Don't look at each other. Give diligence. Give diligence. There's no other way. There's no other way. Praise God. What about the, the, the life of, because when we speak about this divine power, it says the, the power of God unto salvation, right? For therein is the righteousness of God revealed. What about how the Lord desires for the soul to be given to the gospel? The, the depth of meditation that the Spirit of God wants to take your heart into. You know, I'm talking about things that are not easy to measure and quantify. Oh, I pray today, I listen to message. We are, beyond, we are far beyond that. You can be, maybe in your house, the message is always on, playing constantly. So of us, that's, that's the area we've moved into. It's just to satisfy everybody around and satisfy yourself that uh, we, we listen to the message. We're playing everything. But that's all, we are, beyond, we are past that level, man. That's not the level we are in. And right now, everybody plays message, so that's in minute nothing. Are you getting what I'm saying? <laughs> so it's not, it's not really about that. It's, there's a kind of development that we should be seeing. The soul should be becoming sharp, spiritually sharp and deep. How do you, how do you, how do you get sharp and deep? Is your level of engagement with the word, with the thoughts. How do you meditate? How... how how far do you allow the Spirit of God to breathe upon the world? And then you take it to establish your heart in, the, in those thoughts. These things take time and effort. What I'm telling you, you cannot do it while cooking. You cannot do it while sweeping or while on the phone or something or watching something. You cannot do it. I'm talking about your, your time of meditation when the Lord can speak to you about the depths of the world. There are depths of encounters you should be having with the world. And you should give the Lord time to, to minister to your depths. Are you getting what I'm saying? To and add things to things on your soul, in your soul. Praise Jesus. The Lord will give us that grace to our diligence that we will we will receive all the, the blessings and all the dividends of the waters yeah. of God's life. The more the conversation of everlasting life is opening up, I'm beginning to see, hey, as long as I'll be staring at something, I'll now say, how can somebody who is not sound in doctrine of Christ ever understand this? Do you, know, do you get what the point I'm making? And I know that some of those these messages we are listening to, and sometimes we feel we understand. We don't know what they are talking about because there are things in there in this this school of everlasting and eternal life that ah they they thought they are riding on spiritual waters. They are waters that must be in your soul. Otherwise, you cannot grasp the import. You get what I'm saying of this message of the life of God. 
without the, the divine power, you, you can't be partaker of the divine nature. Because God does not land on corruption, on vanity. If your soul is still full of vanity, God cannot step on your vanity. The foundation of the Lord is the, is the life of Christ. Like your soul must have received all the empowerment. You must have been found unto praise, honor, and glory. By the time everlasting gospel is coming, your soul should already, you should already be floating on the waves of glory of the waters of Christ. They are, you know, those waters increase. There will be a time when the tide will increase. It will lift you up. You are able to flow with the tide of the water of Christ. It's upon such landscape that God's word lands in the soul. If not, you will not understand anything about the life of God. Say, give diligence. Add. Let's read that place very quickly and then we can pray. Amen. Now, beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge temperance, to temperance patience, to patience, you know, each of these things are walls of revelation, to patience godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, to brotherly kindness, charity. Verse 8, for if these things be in you and abound, they shouldn't just be in you scarcely. They, should, they need to abound. How, when they've abounded is when you've, you, it, the waters have become so high in your soul, the tide of the gospel of these things is high, that you began to float on the waves of them. To do that, the time it abounds, and when they abound, they make you that you shall never be barren nor unfruitful. Where in the knowledge of our of our Lord Jesus Christ, verse nine. But he that lacketh these things is blind, cannot see afar off. That thing of seeing afar, you know what I mean? That that a soul that can't that has not been equipped to see afar off cannot interpret the divine nature. Because that divine nature, there's a, there's a way your eye must be raised to see. Even when the scripture that's showing that nature is coming, if you may see the surface of the scripture, you will not see what it's talking about. There's something deeply spiritual and divine in those things. But if the soul hasn't learned to, to ride the waves of glory, he won't be able to see afar off, cannot see afar off, and has forgotten that he was what? Purge from what his own sins. Verse 10 um, says, Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and what? An election. Are you seeing, seeing give diligence again? To make your calling an election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fall. Verse 11 For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior. This entrance is entrance of understanding, entrance of comprehension, entrance of fellowship, entrance of communion, entrance, entrance, entrance. It is, it is this, this is the realm of, the everlasting kingdom is the realm of God, it's the realm of blood, it's the realm, it's beyond just the water. If you don't abound in the waters of Christ you will not do well in the blood in the ministry of the life of God praise Jesus but the Lord will furnish all our hearts with grace 
I'm seeing strength coming to everybody. As long as you are hearing the sound of my voice. Any, anywhere your heart, your soul is at this point, I'm seeing grace visiting your heart and mercy. I'm seeing wisdom. You just become wise all of a sudden. Any things pertaining to God, what you need to do concerning spiritual things, wisdom will just be coming to your heart. You won't be comparing yourself with corruption and corrupt standard anymore. You will pick up a higher standard for your life and you will begin to walk accordingly by the grace of God. Father, we thank you. We give all the glory to your name. Thank you for speaking to us. Thank you for bringing all these things to our remembrance. Thank you, Father, for your, your heart towards us that you want to leave no stone unturned. That you want all of our change to come. Father, I thank you. I join my heart, my faith with everybody who is believing you, Father, for, for an acceleration, Lord, in the spirit. Grant it to us. Elevate our heart. Elevate our faith. Elevate our conversation. Elevate our belief. Elevate everything. Help us. Give us grace. Give us strength. Thank you, our Father. We give all the glory to your holy name. We bless you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You dwell between the cherubim. You dwell between the cherubim. Shine for.